Hello, you're listening to Wine Blast, the podcasting place where we give you a big hug, thrust a glass of delicious wine into your hand and force you to listen to us banging on about all sorts of wine <laughs> guff. Consider it boot camp for the thirsty. Uh, is boot camp a bit much? Um, Maybe. I reckon this is more of a holiday camp, really, <laughs> with, with lots and lots of drinking. You know, like sort of Heidi Hyde. Boot camp doesn't with usually even involve more, alcohol, does it? Even more booze and, and antics, <laughs> you know, slightly less uniforms. Anyway, yes, hello, welcome. Uh, as ever, I'm Peter, she's Susie. Um, as you can tell by her boot camp comments, she's the one who cracks the whip around here. Uh, what I do very much agree with is that this podcast is for the thirsty, uh, and never more than in this show, which is stuff full of the tastiest ways imaginable to uh, to slake your thirst. Absolutely. This is our Watty, <laughs> isn't it? Watty or Wine of the Year show, uh, now an annual tradition mm. in this household, yeah. uh, where we share the most <laughs> memorable wines from our year, telling a few stories along the way, mm. as well as airing some of your input. Uh, and this year, we're going to add in a bit of a news recap mm. to, uh, to pick up on some of the most intriguing wine headlines. Uh, and we're going to tie our wine recommendations into these various subjects so it doesn't just become one big, long shopping list. Yeah, so you see um, what we're doing here. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then finally, finally, we will come on to the big gong announcements at the end, won't we? I just love the way you say big gong. Big anyway, gong. Uh, no big gong is bigger than our <laughs> overall wine of the year. Uh, but this year we do have a few other things. We also have producer of the year we have value wine of the year we have left field wine of the year whatever that means uh, so there is lots of fun stuff to be getting on with should we just dive right in well yes and and actually no um, because there's something we want to say. Uh, we did, did want to take a moment to dedicate this episode to a very special person, mm. dear to us both, who died this year. Uh, Phil Tuck was a fellow Master of Wine who was instrumental in us both passing the MW exams. Mm. Now, we did, in fact, dedicate this entire season of mm. Wine Blast to Phil, uh, but we wanted to mention him again here because he was... The most generous friend who mm. who loved nothing more than sharing great wine, uh, yeah. and he was he was the unnamed man behind Pangate. Yes. So now you know yeah. the massive scandal, <laughs> the furore we got into in our news and views episode back yeah, in April. Yeah, well, I don't think we we're going to go into all that hoo ha. Maybe not it, all of it. It, it was it was to do with how. Uh, Best to warm up fine red wines in a hurry, wasn't it? It was. Um, and uh, I think microwaves were mentioned. You think? I, I'm from, pretty sure they from, were. From memory. And people get very angry. Uh, <laughs> words like blasphemy and sacrilege and panic attack were bandied around. <laughs> anyway, the point is that the, the wines involved in Pangate were two very memorable bottles we, we enjoyed this year. Aubryon 1990, which was just so scented and, and bewitching uh, and a rather lovely Chateau Margaux 1995. So you're getting in there with the, the big guns early aren't Had you? Had to, yeah, couldn't resist yeah. it, sorry. So these were both courtesy of Phil weren't they, <laughs> yeah, these, they were. these bottles they were. Um, and we are name dropping right from the start aren't yeah, we? Sorry, sorry. Um, but I suppose what it does is reinforce our common theme that good wine is always best enjoyed with good friends yeah. and there is no time like the present to do that. No, uh, that's so, so important. So, so important to Cheers to Phil. That. Cheers, cheers to you, Phil. Cheers to Phil. Um, cheers to that, yeah. And actually, given we're on the topic of first growths, I suppose I could throw in uh, here <laughs> a rather <laughs> lovely Lafitte 2016 I had while filming in Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah, you could, you could, if you wanted to up the ante again. Um, <laughs> was that the one when you were filming it for, for, for Wine, Wine Masters? Wine yeah. Masters. And that mm. was their, their Wine Masters Grand Crew and the Poyak episode, uh, which you can find on winemasters.tv, mm. Uh, mm. where you get to see me Wearing, I don't know why I'm recommending that you, you actually look out for this, but wearing a balloon suit and quite literally rolling out the barrel. I'm um, sure balloon suit quite captures it. Uh, I think it is on our Instagram, but well, you, or you can catch on it on the yeah, telly. Yeah, on if you really must. TV, but, I mean, you know, uh, I did it, so I can't, <laughs> I can't well, I hide. Should, I think that could be There's nowhere to hide. Your Christmas, Christmas no, 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 I, I need more. <laughs> don't begin. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> if I got near the pine needles, there'd be a yeah, lot of popping, no, no, wouldn't or, there? Or a naked flame. Um, it could be anyway, uh, catastrophic. The, the things we do for fine wine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do remember at the time being rather consoled by a, a gorgeous bottle of, of Pichon Baron 2020. Um, 2020? 
2010, sorry, that would be, 2010. That would be, that would be, that would be <laughs> very a, youthful. It was very youthful. 2010, was it? It was oh, 2010, nice, 2010. Nice it was very nice oh, vintage. It was a very nice wine. Yeah. It was delicious. Um, and also some of the, you know, in, uh, the intriguing Loic Pasquets, Liberpata wines we had as oh, well. So yeah, it was quite yeah. a little quite a trip, little um, trip. trip. Okay, one. fair yeah. enough. Well, yeah. we've, we've, we've done filming. that. That's good. Okay, so... so you know, I definitely don't want this to become a trophy fest. Mm. Uh, but before we move on, on the subject of, of first thing, seeing as we're talking about it, I would just mention that magical Chateau Margaux 1962. I don't think um, I'd have forgiven you if you hadn't mentioned that, actually. Uh, which another very good friend bought round for lunch. Um, a vintage which which was maybe overshadowed by the Stella 1961. Um, and it, the bottle was just so beautiful it was you know the level wasn't amazing so we were a bit worried but it was so refreshing and gastronomic wasn't it it was it was mm. incredibly resonant and evocative but without being heavy in the slightest quite the opposite actually you know kind of old school elegance in a bottle and you do wonder if it's increasingly a thing of the past nowadays this uh, sadly mm. uh, what with styles and climate change and all the rest but anyway very special um it made a wonderful occasion even more memorable didn't it It was it was just a really mm. special moment because we our friend just brought it and just yeah. made yeah. no show of it at all um, yeah. and yeah anyway here's to special moments with friends there yes. is nothing better Cheers for that. Uh, right so as you said this show is emphatically not just about us smugly showing off about the stellar wines we've been privileged enough to taste this year. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag blessed. Um, <laughs> but we've got wines of all kinds to mention, haven't we? We do, um, we do. Plus, we wanted to kick off with a few key news insights, as we said, didn't we? Absolutely. Well said, well said. So um, are we going to have a bit of fun with this format like we discussed? Yeah, How's I think gonna... absolutely we should. Okay. Uh, but maybe let's leave that for the end. Uh, okay, all right, let's do it that way. All right, fine, start fine. off yeah, I know what you mean. No, I know what you mean. I know exactly what Go you mean. Nuts. Okay, so all will be revealed in due course. But for now, let's start with some uh, fake news, uh, or rather news about fake wines uh, on multiple fronts. So firstly, convicted wine fraudster Rudy Kanirwan is apparently up to his old tricks again. Uh, but with a brain scrambling new twist. So yeah, um, so this was this just to to let you you know to, to fill you in. This is the mm-hmm. guy who um, was given a ten year prison term in the US for selling millions of dollars worth of fake wines. And and the story was told in the film Sour Grapes on on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, anyway, he was released and he was sent back to Indonesia in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and and, and yeah, absolutely. So, so so he would knock up these fake wines in his home. And and pass them off as the real deal. You know, he'd sort of get old bottles or whatever, or you know, empty bottles and, and, and yeah. you know, put the wine in and blah, blah blah. Anyway, he he never identified any co-conspirators in his trial, even though it's widely suspected he had. I think many. he must. I mean, uh, yeah, but now it, now the reason this is in the news is it seems he has recruited new enablers who are inviting him to dinner, and not only serving fine wines like Petrus uh, Cheval Blanc DRC, but getting Rudy Kanierwan. Uh, to create fake versions of those wines to serve alongside them, blind, to see which people prefer. And, and apparently they often prefer the fakes. It is mind-boggling, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, firstly, in terms of preferring the fakes... Yeah, 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 that's one I, I suppose, I mean, I don't know. It depends who's doing the prefer- preferring, doesn't yeah, it? You know, if people yeah. aren't familiar with these fine wines, mm. it might be that Kanaiwan is making slightly easier going versions of them with a bit more lift or sweetness or less tannin or mm, whatever. Yeah. But the far more important point is that this is giving a platform to a known criminal who has conned people out of vast mm. amounts of money. Yeah. He's undermined trust in fine wine and Lord knows what other bad stuff he's involved totally, in. Totally, I completely agree. It's I mean, it's, you sound like you sort of sort of killjoy saying that, but that's quite, quite the opposite. You know, this is this is absurd. I um, mean, I sort of admire him in a weird way. I know, but, and know, that's <laughs> the problem with this story. You sort of think there is an element wow. of that anti-snob <laughs> thing, but actually, no, this is not, this is no, not it's, right. It's, it's, it's not right. It's and criminal. It's Anyway, the counterpoint there, and there is a counterpoint to this story. Mm. Um, The counterpoint is it came recently with the news that an AI tool has been developed that can identify which estate a wine comes from based on chemical analysis. So we're not so yeah. So we're not just talking region. We're talking a single property or vineyard estate. Exactly. And and this has never been done before. If you remember when you did your full mm. programme for Radio 4, you know, there were lots of people saying harumphing and stuff, but there was never a way to really... I didn't, now, no. it seems like AI has sort of slightly cracked it. So, you know, apparently scientists used gas chromatography, which has been done before with wines, but never in this way, to analyse 80 wines harvested over 12 years from seven different properties in Bordeaux to train the programme. Um, and they developed an algorithm to identify... 
a unique sort of compositional signature for each chateau. So the thing would break it down, but then mm. put it together. And actually you could, lots of these points, and it, 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 it's a unique thing, a bit like a fingerprint. And then after that, crucially, in the testing phase, it delivered 100% correct results, That's identifying amazing, a wine back yeah. to the estate of Vignard that you came So, so this, this could stop fraud it stopped fraud in its tracks at all levels, you know, from fine wine to generic, which also happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure it will stop fraud, but, it, but, it, but it's a really helpful step forward, yeah, mm. and maybe catching up with the people who are doing it. And, and, and yeah, so, you know, apparently it's, 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 it's good at spotting origin. It struggles to differentiate between vintages, so it only gets that right mm. half the time. But So there are limitations, but essentially it could be a really useful tool. And the key thing here is that machine learning is what's doing the beefing up of the... Uh, of, of of the process in this area of science. So uh, Professor, uh, Professor Alexandre Puget uh, of the University of, of Geneva, who was behind the research, said, and I like this quote, he said, there's a, there's a lot of wine fraud around with people making up some crap in their garage and selling it for thousands of dollars. We can now tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. It is, it is. And, yeah. and of course, I mean, it lends further scientific weight to the concept of terroir too, yeah, exactly. doesn't it? As, um, as well as, as, well as and, and, else, yeah. Yeah, Anyway, on all these themes, we can we can tie in a wine here, you know. Ooh, okay, oh, that's nice. You're, you're probably not yep. going to like it. I'm just thinking, but right. it is the Domaine de la Romanie Conti Grand Echezo 2020, <laughs> the real one, not a fake, um, which was a standout for me at their annual yeah, sure new release tasting in London earlier yeah. the uh, in yeah. the year. Is that the one that you got um, to go to and I didn't? It might have been. Yeah, might have right, been. Okay, I usually get that invitation, yeah. don't I? <laughs> They like me. <laughs> uh, but, you yeah, know, it was really, it was really muscular as well as being unbelievably fragrant. Mm. Um, mm. Not the most affordable at over £2,000 for three bottles in Bond, um, but cheaper than the top wine, Romani Conti, mm. at nearly four grand for one bottle. Mm. Mm. And certainly for me, that this was a memorable yeah, wine right. from I'll the give year. you that one. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that Thanks. one. But, uh, we Will did, you? Did, 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 Go for Christmas? No, well, no. Wrapped up with a nice bow. That would be lovely. That's on record, don't isn't it, else. as well? Oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? <laughs> to sell some stuff. Anyway, you know, uh, how is it that we spend like 99.9% of our time tasting bargain basement wine during the year and then here we are <laughs> pronouncing about first grace DRC? That is just not a fair reflection. Anyway, maybe we can... Um, just look at this. Maybe we can cut to the, the the value end of the spectrum, which is more realistic for us. With with the headline, Bordeaux uh, may get rid of nearly ten percent of its vineyard. Ah, yes, yes. Mm. This was um, biggie, quite an eye opener piece of news, wasn't mm. it? So Bordeaux winemakers have been up in arms about falling sales and a string of difficult vintages, mm. among other things. Um, it's been es- estimated that as many as three thousand hectares of vines in the region have already been abandoned as not commercially viable. Mm, mm. Uh, Now it's thought nearly 10,000 hectares of vines may be uprooted, which is about a tenth of the total Bordeaux Mm, vineyard, mm. with growers eligible for, um, I think, €6,000 per hectare in aid to do this. That's quite a lot of land, isn't it? You know, what a... What are people going to do with that? Well, apparently, um, I mean, I don't, apparently, some people are planning to grow kiwis or huh. saffron or kiwis. grain or use it for livestock. Hmm. Um, and and part of the reason for the aid is to stop abandoned vineyards becoming reservoirs for vine disease. Hmm. Um, hmm. Even though the total bill, get this, could be as high as sixty million euros or more. Hmm. Um, mm. But I guess it's a reminder that Bordeaux is much more than the 1% to 2% of luxury wine producers at the very top end. It's a huge which, which, region, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know. But wine consumption is in decline globally and tastes are changing, even in France, with people drinking much less and less red wine particularly. Yeah, and of course, you know, you've got ever fiercer global wine competition too, haven't mm. you? I'm um, just going to take this opportunity to, to cite, you know, a super fine, fragrant uh, Lewin Art Series Cabernet Sauvignon 2019, which, which uh, from Margaret River we enjoyed recently. We enjoyed uh, a lot, or, or, didn't we? Or the glorious, seamless Ridge Montebello 1977 we were treated to at the IMW that Symposium. Is, I know these are the top end and we're that, talking about the middle to low end. That is dropping. But it is, isn't it? But, but, yeah. but still, you know, there is competition yeah. and, and things are changing. And in a board, Bordeaux is a big vineyard. Yeah, 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 and, and, it really you is. Know, there are some wonderful wines in the middle to lower end, some great value wines, but equally I think there's probably a lot of producers who are, who are struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like you say, there's competition all over the world now as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, anyway, to move on to a, a related story, according mm. to the OIV, Globally, we're drinking more white and rosé wine than ever before. Mm. That's what they say. So global white wine consumption is up 10% since 2000. Rosé up 17% in the same time. But red wine is 
down 15% since 2007. So now more than half the wine we drink globally is either white or rosé. That, that really puts it into context, isn't it, the Bordeaux story? Yeah. Um, so, so what do we think are the reasons behind this? Um, well, I mean, changing consumption habits, really. Mm, you know, it, mm. it seems we increasingly want lighter, more refreshing drinks. Mm. Um, and also you have to remember, actually, that, that sparkling is counted in the white wine figures um, uh, mostly. So yeah, that's okay, been a, a growth that. category of I late, so. late okay, two. Right, yeah. um, mm. And the longer term trend is for declining consumption in the big producing countries like France, Spain mm-hmm. and Italy, mm-hmm. where often the drink of choice would have been, you know, a cheeky vin rouge or vino tinto. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Also China. China's been a bit off the boil since 2017 mm. and they've tended to drink a lot of red wine there too. Yeah, so, yeah, you know. right. But rosé's got really big in France, hasn't it? It has, I'm quite has. surprised by it. I'm quite sure where that's coming from. But maybe the, maybe the same thing, like you're saying. Um, and, and also rosé's been big in the UK. There's been a lot of growth in yeah. the UK in rosé, yeah, which yeah. I think um, that's partly down to us. Um, and, and I also see that the US is, is the biggest consumer of white wine. Uh, with consumption up 65% from between 2000 and 2021. So you guys stateside are clearly, you know, getting properly refreshed. Good on you. Indeed, indeed. Well, I think we need a sassy white and rosé to recommend here, don't we? Oh, Um, here we go. So I'm going to plug the the really very accomplished Missing Gate Sauvignon Blanc 2021 from Essex in England. Um, Another sign of the huge potential in the UK and Essex in particular, because yeah, like, you don't see a lot of Sauvignon Blanc. No, you do certainly don't, and and yeah, but um, it's it's almost like you, I can I'm envisaging you sort of pulling these wines actually out of a big bag, big sack. <laughs> I know you've like got a, Santa a sack. you've got a list, but, With but my but Christmas these, jumper I, on the visuals should be exactly the sack <laughs> which you don't have. But um, I'm going to throw in a rosé. Why not? So Absolutely. the uh, Chateau Pesquier Quintessence Rosé oh, yeah. 2021, mm, which I tried on my trip to Ventoux in southern France um, for for the pod on that. Um, just as complex and serious as a red, um, and dare I say it, you know, more more fun and, and more refreshing as well. So you can say it, you say know, it, fun. ideal. It's you know, fun. I, so I think, you know, with wines like these, you can see why we're all drinking a bit more white and pink stuff. Mm, mm, yeah, oh. yeah, and don't forget, sorry, if we're talking white and pink. Don't forget orange. Ah, you know, oof. we certainly will not be forgetting orange. Yes. We've got an episode coming up very soon. We do, um, we do, do, do. But I think equally we won't be giving up on reds either. We do love a good red, yeah. don't we? Um, on which note, uh, an intriguing headline popped up recently, which was, scientists say mystery of how red wine headaches mm. occur may be solved. Now, this is really exciting. It, it is indeed. So many people suffer from this kind of thing and we just haven't known what exactly has been going on or how to help. Um, I mean, we did that episode a while back, didn't we? We did. The um, undeserved hangover uh, on biogenic amines or amines, which which was really interesting, but it wasn't really specifically related to red wine, was it? No, no, it wasn't actually. It Um, was more general. But anyway, this is something a bit different, isn't it? You know, Mm. it was research at UC Davis in California and they've identified the culprit as a flavanol called quercetin. Mm. Now, this is a naturally occurring compound commonly found in all kinds of fruit and and veg, you know, Mm. grapes too. And it's generally considered pretty healthy. Uh, Mm. You can buy it as an antioxidant supplement. But the problems come for some people when it's mixed with alcohol. Uh, Alcohol, you know. What's that famous Homer Simpson quote, you know? (laughs) Alcohol, the uh, the cause of and solution to all life's problems. No, don't try and sidetrack me to the Simpsons. Um, yeah, again. Good. I'm sure we've had that quote it's before gospel. on this we pod. Have. Yes, I, yeah. I think it should come out probably every other <laughs> We're going to have a Simpsons quote every episode. Maybe. No, don't, don't, anyway. don't tempt me. Anyway, I, I, let's be serious. I, I'm on a serious story sorry, here. Sorry, sorry. Don't, don't, don't yes, sidetrack me. I don't want any Homer. Um, anyway, <laughs> the, the problem is that when quercetin gets into your bloodstream, your body, sorry, your body converts it into some something called quercetin glucuronide mm. and that blocks the metabolism of alcohol that leads to a buildup of acetaldehyde which is toxic and can cause flushing nausea uh, and headaches i see so we've identified mm. the sort of pathway maybe mm. but this presumably isn't the case for everyone and some no. people no, some people some people just seem to be susceptible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, okay. so I think the next step is to test this on people who get these headaches, which seems a bit harsh. But 
Hey, um, so really bad headaches. in the name of oh, Let's do a trial where you're going to get really bad. <laughs> you're going to get even worse headaches. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, if we can do this, then we'll know a bit more, obviously. Yeah. Um, and incidentally, it's worth mentioning that Quercetin is produced by grapes in response to sunlight. Uh, so warm, sunny areas will naturally produce more like... Mm. Napa Cabernet, for example, yeah, yeah. Um, it can be actually four to five times higher. Wow, so, um, so lots more. Yeah, a lot more, a lot more, a mm. lot more. Um, and then, of course, winemaking will have an effect too. So yeah. perhaps production could be tweaked if necessary. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's one idea and for the hopefully future. Hopefully it will be you know, really helpful for people who suffer from it because it's horrible. Um, so I'm just thinking here, my mind's going, it's probably not a good idea to recommend a very heavy red from a very warm climate then. Not right no, now. No, okay, so I'm going to... I'm gonna, Side switch here. I'm going to throw a slight curveball into the mix go, go, go. in the form of the Nieport Pinot Noir Duriense. 2020. So we are in Portugal. We are. It was a wine given to me blind, if you remember, by Daniel Nieport while live recording our Portugal's Fine Wines episode, quite naughtily. In my view, totally threw <laughs> me off. He put me right on the spot. You got it I wrong. didn't get it wrong. I didn't get it wrong, but I didn't get it right. Um, there's a difference. Uh, I, you know, to be fair, never in a million years would I have thought that this kind of sappy, juicy, bright, and really elegant, very sort of typical Pinot Noir would have come from, you know, the, the sort of sun-blasted Douro Valley. And yet, you know, the winemaking geniuses at Newport uh, made it happen. Um, and I reckon, no, I'm almost 100% sure in my medical opinion that that's a wine that will not give you a headache. Is that guarantee, Dr. Pete? Um, yes. You know, I take my Hippocratic Oath very seriously. So <laughs> anyone with any problems, come and see me in my consulting room afterwards. Now, uh, we are nearing the end. You'll be pleased to hear, probably, <laughs> nearing the end of our serious news this bit. It's supposed to be serious. Um, it's supposed to be serious. <clears throat> uh, but I did want to touch on on recent developments in English wine. Of course oh, I did. Yes, um, so Sussex producer Bolney was sold to sparkling wine giant Henkel Freshnay back in 2022. Mm. But then this year... Hampshire winery Hambledon was sold to joint purchasers, the Symington Group from Portugal, and historic London wine merchant Berry Brothers and Rudd. Mm. And, and on top of that, um, further signs of international interest in the UK's winemaking potential came from Jackson Family mm-hmm. Wines, a very respected global operation based out of California, um, which has operations, to be fair, all over the all over the world. But it's been well, they 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 bought up land in Essex to make uh, sparkling and still wines, uh, and they also didn't they poached mm-hmm. Gus Bourne, CEO and chief winemaker Charlie Holland, uh, which is a big move um, to head up their their operations. Now that will be definitely worth watching. Yeah, well, uh, in fact, both mm. of those those will be. Mm, um, mm. Now we've talked. A fair bit about the huge wine potential of Essex on this pod, mm-hmm. uh, including our Red Dawn episode. Yeah. Uh, we even made our charity Pinot Noir from Essex, didn't I we? Did. Uh, and that gives me the perfect lead-in to touch on another pair of outstanding Essex wines we've enjoyed, and those are the, the Danbury Ridge Chardonnay 2020 and Pinot Noir 2020, mm. both of which I recommended in a decanter piece that I wrote. Oh, stunning, stunning. And, 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 and um from what we hear generally, there may well be more uh, developments like this in due course in mm. English and Welsh wine. So we will keep you posted. Of course we That's will. So we'll say for now. And now, uh, we did promise you a bit of fun along with the news. So we are going to end this segment with a very brief game called Guess the Missing Word in the Wine Headline. Um, you can snappy play along title. with us too at home. <laughs> Look, I'm not known for my snappy titles. I'm not known for snappiness. Uh, bear with. Uh, now, I've got one here for you. And it is... Dutch nuns try to shift what? So I'll just repeat that for you. Is this for me? This is for you. Yeah, go on. Dutch nuns try to shift what? Far-right politician? (laughs) Hemorrhoids? Dutch nuns try to shift a new hash-based energy drink? (laughs) (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Stop. Um, um, it's It's just wine, actually. Dutch Just nuns like, that's try not nearly as interesting wine. as my answers. No, I'm disappointing you. I, I really want them to be making some sort of hash-based energy drink. That's, there you that go, would be. See. I'd be buying. I'd be buying. Nuns, they wouldn't need to shift nuns it. Nuns on the I'd run. Be, I'd, be, I'd be queuing up anyway. Oh, uh, apparently, apparently, mm. the story goes the winemaking nuns were left with sixty thousand bottles uh, surplus after a bumper vintage. So Sister Maria Magdalena, I don't know how to say that in a Dutch accent, uh, issued a video appeal to help shift their white blend 
uh, and Pinot Gamay Rosé, cheeky Pinot Gamay Rosé. Mm. Allegedly, mm. the airline, KLM, reneged on a deal to buy their wine, leaving them in the lurch. None's in the lurch. That's terrible, That's isn't it? shocking. shocking. Uh, interestingly, when asked why they make wine rather than the more traditional Dutch beer, uh, the nuns said, beer in a convent isn't appropriate. Uh, wine fits better. It is biblical. And it points to Jesus. So, so that is what I will be saying whenever anyone questions believe. my consumption in the future. It points to Jesus. Watertight. Um, <laughs> oh, dear, you're going to love that. You are going to roll that one out, aren't you? Anyway, I've got one for you. OK, are you All ready? Right. <clears throat> so okay. mm. winery replaces labels with what? Winery replaces labels with what? Word. Okay, my mind is going in all sorts of inappropriate directions. Um, scratch and sniff bottles. <laughs> Do we like that? Um, talking corks. That could be talking, talking corks. corks. Um, unemployed mime artists. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. Help me out here. I'm running. I'm running. Yeah, low. no, you are. Please stop. Please, um, please, please stop. Imagine buying your wine with a mime artist. That comes anyway, what it is is winery replaces labels with. Get this. Pictures of dogs looking for a home. Mm. So Australian brand Leaps and Bounds partnered with the Dogs Trust in the UK, putting real dogs on labels in the hope, obviously pictures of them, in the hope (laughs) of finding them a new home. You scan the label and can meet pups like Nigel, the Patterdale Terrier Cross, and Cleo, a Retriever Labrador Cross. (laughs) You can't stop laughing now, can you? Who are officially underdogs, which means oh. they've been in the charity's care for more than six months. Oh, I feel sorry for now, the Australian brand conducted consumer research that found 30% of respondents, quote, feel more relaxed drinking when in the company of their dog. So there you go. There's, there's, <laughs> you can under control now. No, no, something else is happening because there's probably a gag in there about Southeast Asia yeah, and, so, and the dog being or, on the plate. Or Jesus and dogs. But that would be inappropriate on so many levels. So, so we wouldn't dream of going there. <laughs> so uh, I think that feel-good story is a great place to end our news bulletin. Yes, yes, yes. Um, before we get sued. Coming up, uh, we're going to be hearing from you guys and announcing our top wines of the year. Thus far, we've been whetting our appetite with some of the very fine bottles we've tasted this year and dipping our toes into news stories uh, covering wine fraud and a new AI tool to fight it. Uh, Bordeaux grubbing up vines as white and rosé wines surge in popularity worldwide and how we may be closer to solving the mystery of red wine headaches. Uh, That and Dutch nuns. Okay, so this year we've loved hearing from you. Thanks mm. for getting in touch. Yeah. Um, you know, having a conversation about wine is what this podcast is all about. Um, so if you have a question or feedback or something you'd like to discuss, we're here for you. So David G got in touch after our Aging English Fizz episode to say... Great episode, which has just inspired me to order a magnum of Nine Timber 2003 from Berry Brothers, which hopefully will be wonderful at New Year's Eve. Just let us know where you're going to be, David. We can bring our own glasses. <laughs> Never knowingly underprepared. Uh, actually, Exton Park winemaker Corinne Seeley emailed after the same episode to say thank you so much for that masterpiece regarding the potential of English sparkling ageing. Uh, bravo. It's not an easy one, uh, as we don't have much hindsight. Uh, I also 100% agree on the give me the mags, and I am very curious to know how our Exton Park Blanc de Blanc 2014 Magnum Under Sea is going to show after its disgorgement. So there's a thought. Mm, I think this this whole sea ageing concept is one we probably need to explore on the pod, I isn't think it? So. I think um, so. Maybe after we've tasted that one. Mm, um, yeah, yeah. But talking of tasting English fizz, we need to give a shout out to some of the most exciting ones we've tried this year, mm. including Domaine Hugo. 2019. So this is a, mm. a no dosage, no sulphur, unfined, unfiltered, and just a really characterful new addition to the English fizz scene that I absolutely loved mm. when I tasted it. Um, another one is the Nightember 07 Blanc de Blanc in Magnums. Oh. Uh, so going to something much older and more um, established. Um, and this came out top in my aged English fizz tasting in decanter, mm. a totally legendary wine mm. um, and then more recently the latest release of Ridgeview Oak Reserve Brute non-vintage which is oh. just as good as the last released release utterly hedonistic and 
sensationally enjoyable. Mm, can't disagree it? with any of that. Then, um, then Paul E got in touch after our episode on Portuguese still wines. Hi guys, absolutely agree with you about Portugal. We were lucky enough to buy a little place in the southwestern Algarve with some friends a few years ago. Um, Vino Verde aside, we've yet to experience a bad Portuguese wine. Some of the Douro reds are fantastic and there are some lovely refreshing whites to eat, have with seafood and um, sit and watch the sea. And you've given me some more bucket list things, although expensive ones. What I am intrigued about is what you do with the leftovers when you have wines like that, because you clearly aren't drinking six bottles between you at a tasting. Paul, all I can say is that we have very appreciative and Merry neighbours. <laughs> yeah, we do, we do. Uh, that said, we, I mean, we do like to keep the more interesting wines around, don't we? Until we've until we've generally finished the bottle. Yeah. Um, but it takes time, you know, to see how it evolves and to try it with different different dishes. Um, yeah, we so do with most of the good, really yeah, good exactly. Wines. So the truth is, we often have lots and lots of different bottles on the go. We're just trying little bits of each one. Mm. Um, um, and you know, there's always a gravy or sauce to be made that's made more <laughs> delicious jus? by, but never a jus. We don't do jus. It's gravy <laughs> in this household. But no, I mean, you know, beyond that, we do try to share the love too. You know, it's a waste otherwise. Um, and that includes, I guess, any, you know, from recent experience, any workmen doing odd jobs here, you know, they may get a bottle of, I don't know, you know, Saparavi or, or <laughs> Ribola Gialla or, or, you know, with a tasting sample taken out of it. And, I, reckon, uh, I reckon the tradespeople in Ireland must be some of the most savvy, wine savvy um, tradesmen <laughs> yeah, in the country. Are. Wine stops, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, on the subject of Portugal, there have been some memorable bottles this oh, year, yeah. haven't there? Mm. Um, you've got a few, I know. Um, yeah. But I'd flag up a couple of fortifieds, mm. you know, the, the Kopke Collieta Tawny 2005, which is actually at Waitrose, is absolutely stunning. Mm, mm. Uh, and also the Taylor's very, very old port, 80 plus year old blend that we tried at the IMW Symposium. Oh, it was so sumptuous and yeah, just gorgeous. Yeah. Um, so I can't not mention the legendary Barcavella 2011 that headlined our Portugal episode, of course. Uh, but, you know, many others too. I, I'd add Newport's Super Complex White, the Kosh 2020, a great alternative to white burgundy, even though it's not, you know, super cheap. Uh, the stunning aged Alentejo Reds, oh, so many, but I'd just say the Tapada do Chaves Frango Nero Tinto 1978. Amazing. Who do you know? And then finally, said it, not me. Uh, the Barbeto Ribeiro Real 20 year old Vidello, um, because we do love a good Madeira. Yeah, no. It has to be said. It's under, underestimated. I'm going to say, how good again, Madeira is, yeah. such good value and brilliant with food, you know, like, for example, cold cuts, pate. You know, where instead of a yeah. dollar per chutney, cheese, yeah. such a good wine. It is a good Get wine with all of that. Yeah, yeah. Now, Riley Eustace emailed from the US to say the following. My dream is to have my own vineyard in Italy or anywhere in Europe. And I was wondering if I should go to school in the United States or should I go to school in Europe? P.S. I love your podcast. Thanks, Riley. <laughs> Thanks, Riley. Yeah. Um, great to have you on board. Uh, love your dream, too. I think most wine people secretly aspire to have their own vineyard, particularly in, in, in Italy. Looking at you, Susie Barry, uh, particularly. Um, the, you know, it's warm. The, the, the hard part is selling the stuff, selling the wine. Um, so, you know, that should definitely be part of your school plans. Um, my advice, uh, if you're committed to this plan, is to go live and study where your dreams take you. You know, that way you'll find out the reality of the place good and bad, learn the language and the customs and, and crucially make contacts in the wine business there. Um, you know, or you could of course come to study in the up and coming Plumpton College in the UK, which was recently awarded the Queen's anniversary prize, I see. Mm. But I'd add, you know, don't overlook your your own home country. Uh, the US is incredibly mm. exciting right now for wine um, and not yeah. just in California and New York State or Virginia. There are huge possibilities opening up there for people doing slightly different or, or original things mm, um, mm. it's also one of the best places to sell wine in the world it's the biggest wine mm. market yeah, now it's worth um, bearing in mind, yeah. it is worth bearing in mind um anyway but but can i going back to italy just shoehorn an italian wine in here <laughs> that's a bit of a shoehorn i know go on, well go on. no it's not go we, on. Talk, we were talking what are you italy. gonna pull out your bag now the gaia contessa barolo 2018 just stunning yeah we'll let you have that one Thank definitely you. 
Thank you. Is that on my Christmas present list as well? Well, no. No, I'm still waiting for one I can afford, actually. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, there's definitely mixed messages coming out of of, of that bit there. So, so, you know, I'm going to counterbalance what you said by mentioning uh, listener Ben Parsons, who got in touch from Colorado to tell us about his ordinary fellow wines made from the likes of uh, Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot and Cabernet at high altitude. So uh, between 4,500 and 6,800 feet or 1,400 to 2,000 metres above sea level on the Yucca House. National Monument, which is apparently an ancient Puebloan ruin. Uh, Ben wrote, just like the UK until recently, I feel many regions fly under the radar and yet make world-class wines. Uh, Now, we did taste his very smartly presented wines and the Pinot was, you know, really fragrant and fresh, wasn't it? So, So there you go, you know. Yin and yang. Mm, right. We US should move on. We should move on. But just before mm. we do, a chance to acknowledge a couple of lovely messages of support we receive. Uh, John Zed wrote on Instagram, Susie and Peter's Wine Blast pod was one of the assists that got me through the WSET diploma. Mm. Their infectious joy in all things wine reminded me of why I started the whole thing to begin with when I felt the studying might go on forever. Yeah. I know what you mean, John. Um, yeah. And Grant W emailed from Napa Sonoma to say, I've been listening to your podcast for some time now. I've been enjoying it more and more. Thank you both for the wonderful work you do and I'll be eagerly waiting for more episodes. Yes, uh, thanks everyone for all your amazing support, which we appreciate immensely. Um, Sorry we couldn't feature more feedback or messages here, but please do keep them coming and hopefully we'll be able to feature yours at some stage soon. Uh, Now, we want to come on to our most memorable wine experiences of the year, as well as our top wines of the year, don't we? Absolutely. So Um, so one of our special experiences this year was getting to know actor, director, designer and now winemaker John Malkovich. Mm. Um, We obviously featured him on the pod and it was fascinating hearing his views on wine and doing all kinds of interesting things on his Luberon estate. And I have to say, we really loved his wines, Mm. particularly his potent Pinot Noirs, (laughs) uh, including the Rosé, the exciting new Carmen Air that he has, um, and also his top blend you know a positively heretical mix of pinot and cabernet but which we really enjoyed and that is the 14 kel 2018 yeah we did that was our definitely our favorite from his lineup but um they were all pretty impressive actually and that one just really worked even thought pinot cabernet it seemed all wrong didn't it just not gonna work um, and it just really did it was lovely top guy you know so we you know we interviewed john on stage and we at the imw symposium Institute of Masters of Wine Symposium in Wiesbaden. Mm. Um, and that whole event in itself was, was a major highlight of the past year. Um, but also in terms of the tastings and the wines we got to experience there. So we've already mentioned a couple of fabulous wines already. I'm not going to bore you senseless. But there were a couple of others we wanted to flag up, you know, particularly fine Japanese Pinot. Back on the Pinot, yeah. De Monti and Co's Hokkaido Pinot Noir 2019. Uh, there were some lovely wines from our fellow Master of Wine, Fernando Mora, and his Frontonio project in Spain, well worth checking out. Uh, and then also, you can't go without mentioning the most delightful Egon Muller, Schatzhofberger Riesling Auslaser 2005. Ooh, yeah. Yum, yum, yum. Mm. Um, we also had a fantastic trip to Santorini this year to, mm. to record a, a couple of pods, yeah. and that included some stunning wines yeah. didn't it yeah. uh, you know Gaia's so Gaia's Wild Ferment 2022 is exceptional mm-hmm. um, their 2012 Vinsanto is unreal <laughs> um, we love the Caramolegos wines yeah. particularly their Assyrtico 34 2020 mm-hmm. both on the island and then back in the UK, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was it was fun actually bumping into. We were there at Caramelegos and we bumped into the the wine society's Greek buyer Matthew Horsley um, <laughs> there at the winery, mm. uh, and many of the Cigarless wines were exceptional too. Weren't yeah, there they? were there was there were so many from that Santorini ship, weren't there? But there really um, were. we also went to Crete, um, and this ancient Aegean island is where our drum roll producer of the year comes from. It there we go, producer of the year. So. Yes. Getting there was an experience. There's a bit of a story to tell So this here. really was a holiday, wasn't it? But um, Well, I wasn't going to say yeah. that. But, you know, uh, everyone's going to feel sorry for you now that I'm tapesing off. Anyway, anyway, it involved me driving a hire car with no map, uh, a dead phone and worryingly little petrol into the rugged eastern wilds of the island, you know, arriving hideously late, taking a wrong turn up some ancient streets in the local village meant clearly only for walking. <laughs> Needless to say, I got the car totally stuck 
uh, with, you know, massive stones on either side with no room even to open the door. So I wound down the window and in front of me was this sort of large, very intimidating Greek nonna, grandmother, <laughs> shaking. And she was literally, she was shaking her broom at me. Oh, bless. Uh, and, you know, it... it, it the, the whole village Quaking then, in your boots. the entire village congregated around to, to basically laugh at the idiot foreigner who was sitting in his car saying, hello, you know, I'm late for my appointment at the winery. Um, which, and, and can I just say that phrase should be taught in all schools all around the country, in all languages, particularly Greek, uh, to help in situations like this. Anyway, finally, I was coaxed to safety. Uh, some, someone took pity on me and I did make it to the meeting, but only about, about 30 minutes of usable time left, uh, at which point my computer had a meltdown and my pen drive disintegrated so sounds like you needed a glass of wine i did mm. i did like just like mm. i do now right actually, place I've got to be one there. it was the right place to be and and boy you know what wine it was oh my word what a discussion it was actually what just just what an encounter um so this was gianni economo uh, a brilliant and mischievous wine mind hugely creative crafting you know wines of intensity and beauty and power and grace, you know, in Sitia on, on Crete, the eastern end of Crete, you know, in a rundown house, it has to be said, it's not even one of those fancy Bordeaux garage, you know, garage wine. Garagiste. It's just, it's a house which has tanks and barrels in weird places. Um, <laughs> he doesn't believe in terroir, but but that's another story. You know, we tasted all sorts of dazzling things out of all sorts of containers. Uh you know, my mind was totally blown in such a short time. And then he gave me some bottles to bring home, which we then tasted. And um, and they were, they were. I mean, bearing in mind, these had come wrapped up in all sorts of our clothing in our suitcase to make sure we didn't break them. Only my pants. But they, <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I'm not sure that influenced the aromas. It was not necessary, not necessary. <laughs> anyway, they were game changing. I mean... Oh. Utterly unique, hugely characterful. Yeah. There were, there were. So we explained there were two old Assyrticos, um, 2014 and 2015, mm. which definitely proved that Assyrtico can age and does oh, age brilliantly. Yeah, not just from Santorini, but from no, other places I mean, like Crete. No, I mean, from yeah. Crete, yeah. And then a 2004 Antigone red blend of Mandelaria mm. and Liatico. Um, undoubtedly some of the best wines we tasted this year, oh, all year. You know, life-affirming. They were mature, they were complex resonant but like I say so full of life and character yeah. um so to be honest after that he had to be our producer of the year didn't he there we go Economo. such a wonderful surprise Economo, Economo, whatever producer of the year um uh, one other Greek wine that earns an honorable mention in this context is the Thymiopoulos Earth and Sky Nelsa 2021 Red which is serious but really good value Greece is just such an exciting place right now. For it is, it yeah. is. Um, now, we did also promise a left field wine of the year. And this was, well, it was something of an experience too, wasn't it? In a very different way. Um, our friend and fellow master of wine, Justin Howard Sneed, um, a proper ideas man, mm. he sent us a, a cryptic message about his latest, mm. what he described as naughty project. Um Interesting. So then, of course, we had to find out more, didn't mm, we? Uh, did. And he sent us two bottles. They're red wines from his Roussillon winery, uh, Domain of the Bee. Mm. And they had nothing else on the front label other than a picture of some herbs. One labelled Romarin and the other Team. Yeah, and these aren't wine fairies. <laughs> Team's a wine fairy. No, it's, it's, they're the herbs, obviously, rosemary and thyme. Um, so Justin's idea was... Given we often talk about garrigue and other herbal aromas, particularly in southern French reds, why not actually try macerating or, or steeping these herbs in the wine itself? Um, it's totally illegal, of course. Um, it's not illegal, but it's, you know, the wines are labelled as aromatised wine-based drink. They can't be labelled wine. But would they be nice? That was the big question. And the answer? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> They were. So they, what we did, let's really let's explain were. this a little bit more. We we tried the we had a base wine, didn't we, or a control, yeah. if yeah. you like, that Justin sent us. Um, a twenty twenty one varietal Carignan, which had been fermented in stainless steel. Then we tried the same wine, but fermented in barrel with a muslin bag of fresh rosemary in it. Mm. Um, and you not only get from this these really herbal, almost medicinal aromas, it also seems to fill in the gaps in the palate structure, doesn't it? Mm. You know, making it really cohesive and savoury and actually more lifted on the finish. But 
It was the thyme version, uh, made just like the rosemary one, but with thyme, obviously, that really enchanted us, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Beautiful aromas, um, which work really well alongside the fruit and the wine tastes juicy, herbal, floral, savoury mm-hmm. and complex. Mm-hmm. It was multi-layered, very complete and so original. Um Definitely needs food, cries mm. out for food, in fact. Mm. You know, some nice slow-roasted lamb mm. or, or pork or girol mushrooms or, or whatever. Just brilliant, brilliant. Um, way, they exceeded our expectations, didn't they? Um, so, so that's our left field wine of the year. The domain of the bee, team or time. Uh, yes, there we are. That's it. Um, I mean, we were, we were bowled over by this experiment. Uh, just, just, just like we love Justin's experiments, using Tokai, Madeira, you know, and other things in his English sparkling wine dosage, which we explored in our Adventures in Dosage episode. You know, what can we say? Um, Justin is clearly a dangerous wine guy uh, in the best possible sense. Brilliant, creative. You know, and the good news is these wines aren't just academic exercises. You can actually buy them. So what go to his website. They're not that illegal. Go to his website, domainofthebee.com. You can find them on there. 50 quid for the pair or £40, remember. So 20 quid each. I think that's really good value, actually. Something completely different and guaranteed to put a smile on your face. And it's not wine fraud. Honest. No. Well, um, yeah. not, yes, no. no. Honest. Definitely Honest. not. <laughs> right. We are nearing the end and I want to get to our white wine of the year. Um, yeah. But I think first, maybe a couple of honourable mentions. Mm-hmm. So firstly, the gorgeously rich but beautifully balanced Atarangi Lismore Pinot Gris mm. 2009 oh. from our How to Be a Better Wine Lover episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Also then, Devon Minnow 2020, which is in Magnum and looks amazing and tastes amazing. It's an oak-aged Devon Bacchus. And then Pasca's intriguing Hay French multi-vintage Italian white blend. And then finally, the very impressive Double Zero Wines VGW Chardonnay from the Willamette Valley in Oregon. All total highlights this yeah. year. Yeah, uh, and I throw in the gutsy, you know, Milton River Point Viognier 2020, mm-hmm. um, the funky Domaine Ampelus, Carignan Terret Blanc de Blanc 2022. Uh, also a couple of fizzes into this white category, you know, Bonkers Goods Cristal 2009, which we had to toast the coronation of King Charles III. Uh, also the Bollinger Grand Annie 2014, just stunning. But as for our white wine of the year, we have two runners-up from the same region, funnily enough. Uh, first, the edgy, savoury, pungent Domaine Jean-Louis Tissot Arbois Sauvignon 2020. And then the flavoursome Florent Rouve Arbois Chardonnay 2020. Mm. So they're both from Jura, um, and we featured that that one on our our Ten Wines Never to Be Without episode. But our white wine of the year is the toasty, nutty, seriously savoury, and utterly compelling blank canvas reed vineyard Chardonnay 2022 from Marlborough in New Zealand. Nice, nice, and that leads Love us on. It. That leads us on. To our red wine of the year, or Rawati. Rawati's um, <laughs> bad enough. You as, can't opposed have a... to, as opposed to, of course, Rawati, <laughs> exactly which you've just done. Or, wait for it, Potty. <laughs> no, don't. The producer of the year. I mean, this will never get old. I'm literally going to make up awards that sound good in acronyms. Anyway, <laughs> sounds silly in acronyms. Uh, Red wine of the year. I'd give honourable mentions here to the bonkers but brilliant Claude de Trias, Ventoux Reds, uh, the Vieille Vigne 2015 and Red Label 2016. They they both taste like a cross between sort of Reeves Salt, oxidatively aged Reeves Salt and Chateauneuf. Um, also the seriously cool Revival Reds from Domaine Ampelus in Languedoc. You know, the sappy, light, bright Rivarank 2022 and the beautifully upbeat, you know, sort of friendly, smashable Picapoule Noir 2022. So Moorish and joyful. Well, I I'd add um, two Beaujolais as well, you nice, know, the, the elegant yep. uh, Julien Sunier Fleury 2021 and then the serious Jean Foyard Morgan um, Eponym 2021. Um, there were also a couple of Northern Rhones I've loved. The Chaputier, there always, <laughs> always are, there have got to be. Uh, in fact, there are three. The Chaputier Saint-Joseph Le Clos 2019, the 2011 Cote Roti by Bernard Burgot we enjoyed during our Six Best Wine Books episode. Mm. And then finally, the 
absolutely, utterly delicious. I've always loved this wine uh, and I still do. The Alain Cryo Crozet Hermitage 2020 that we had very recently. Oh, it's a classic, isn't it? Um, so this is a Pinot Fest, but our runners-up are the Domaine Henri Richard Gevry-Chambertin au Corvée 2019, uh, uh, the Vendemark Engestein Pinot Noir 19, 2019 from Germany, and the by far RP Pinot 2020 from Australia. But our red wine of the year is the Toll Puddle Pinot Noir 2021 from Tasmania, as featured in our Australian Pinot Noir episode. So refined and complex and perfumed, a real thoroughbred. It is indeed. Um, now, before we come on to our ultimate wine of the year, we have Valley Wine of the Year, mm. Vawati. Um, now, we've had we had loads of options here, um, including lots of supermarket bargains, you know, from an organic Aldi Prosecco to a Tesco Cote de Gascoigne. And um, we will put a fuller listing on our website show notes. Uh, we know there'll be there'll be a fair bit of interest in, in this value category. Uh, but we had to choose just one. And so our value Wati is... The Vonderland Zweigelt 2021, which is from 9.99 at Majestic. It is really perfumed and characterful. It's an Austrian red that's a bit like a cross between a New Wave Beaujolais and Northern Rhone Syrah um, mm, that offers, mm. no wonder I like it, um, <laughs> that offers a huge amount of wine for a very sensible price. Um, and it's also got a really fun label, so it looks great as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So there we go. We, we reach end game. Um, for our overall wine of the year, by way of preface, we wanted to choose something not crazy expensive, something accessible, just a wine that had seriously impressed us both, just just made a mark, touched us in, in a way. Um, this was a producer we visited this year. We sat down with the team and we were just quietly blown away by their approach, their, their ethos, but most importantly, by their wines, all their wines. Yeah, now these guys are leaders in their field. They are, however, still a little bit under the radar. I don't think this is going to last for long. Um, but it does mean their wines offer outstanding bang for your buck right now. Uh, and we're going to be featuring them, actually, in an episode of these guys coming soon. We are. So without further ado, our overall wine of the year for 2023 is... The Langham Rosé Extra Brut Non-Vintage. Um, making impressive rosé fizz is not easy, actually, but this one is so characterful and joyous and balanced um, with flavours of sort of pomegranates and biscuity red apple. It's not overdone. It's not overpriced. It's just over 30 quid. It's not cheap, but it's, it's not overpriced. It's engaging. It speaks of its origins and its makers. Um, you know, lots of pink frizz is a little bit bland, boring, restrained, or the other end of the spectrum, it's sort of edgy and, 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 and not quite balanced. This is seamless, utterly winning, despite the very low dosage. It still works beautifully. We'd urge you to get hold of some, kick back and, and, and raise a toast to whatever. Dorset's finest. Yeah. Um, one of England's finest, I think we'd say. Mm. Uh, so mm. there we have it. A wine to toast many wines of the year. Yeah. Uh, we've recapped on the news and views with stories along the way as promised. Mm. Uh, we will put a full list of these wines and more on our website show notes, as well as links to the sources for our news stories. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this as much as we have. Uh, and just a little heads up that we might be developing this format in fun new ways in the near future because we have enjoyed it quite a lot, haven't we? Mm. Anyway, so keep your ears tuned for that. We'd like to thank all the producers and trade who so kindly shared wines, time uh, and knowledge with us over the year. Uh, we'd also like to thank you for being with us along the way during our adventures. Uh, if you find a spare moment, please do leave us a positive rating or review. Um, or get in touch, you know, with a question, uh, feedback or, or talking point, whatever. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>